session with Dr. Farid Holakou. afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on iTunes. Again, our studio number, 310-4410555. So I, because I was gone last week, I didn't get to do the book of the week from last week on Monday. It was the book from two weeks ago. I know it's a little bit confusing, but I do have a book to talk about today, uh, but also wanted to announce the book of the week for this week, which I'll talk about on Monday night's show, and that is How We Learn by Benedict Carey. How We Learn and Why It Happens by Benedict Carey. Um, I already posted that picture a while ago, but I'll post it again in case you're interested in getting that book. Uh, which I'll talk about on Monday night's show. Now, the book I'll talk about today is uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Blank. And that last word is a four-letter word starting with F that I can't say on the air. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Blank, A Counterintuitive Approach to Living a Good Life. And it is by Mark Manson. And I'd seen this book for quite a while. Uh, Obviously, the title catches your eye, and it's one of those books that at bookstores I've very often see it shown on bookshelves in a way that was very prominent, that it was easy to see, and saw people talking about it. But uh, it wasn't until um, I got a recommendation from KK to read the book that for some reason um, I decided to read it and add it to the books of the week. So thank you again to KK. And uh, as I mentioned, I always appreciate people sending their recommendations my way. So fingers crossed that you'll keep sending those recommendations to me for books to read. But let me tell you about this book. It was really interesting. It's definitely different from some of the books I've read in the way that it's written. Uh, I actually almost wanted to count the number of times he uses the F word. It's well over a few hundred, I'm sure. Um, But really, for the sake of the radio and being able to use the words that I can use, we can look at the word that he uses for the F word really to mean cares or to care about something. So the subtle art of not caring, basically. And as he makes it very clear, the point of the book is not to say that we should try to become indifferent and not care about anything, but that what most people do is unfortunately they care about things that they shouldn't care about, and they don't care about the things that they should care about. And so because we only have so much care that we can give or so many F's as he puts it that we can give if you're caring about things that are not important and I'll talk about what some of those things might be what happens is that you don't have time to focus on the things that actually will make you happy long term and lead to a good life so it's really about not caring about the things we shouldn't care about and caring about the things that we should care about because whether you realize it or not you're choosing in your life what to value and what not to value what's important and what's not important. You're making that choice, even if you're not aware of the choices that you are making. 
Now, uh, what I thought was interesting, and he makes a lot of great points throughout the book, and it's a very easy read. It's very funny. It makes you actually laugh while you're reading it. Um, but he made a lot of points that I agreed with that I wanted to emphasize. One is that he said, he says that negative feelings are not something to be avoided. And anyone who's heard me on this show knows that that's something I talk about often. This idea that people think that negative feelings are bad and should be avoided. That, for example, sad feelings are bad feelings when that's not the case. And he talks several times throughout the book about this idea of staying positive or that people think they should always be happy. And that there's a problem when we think we're always supposed to be happy because it makes us do things that we shouldn't do. For example, do something that feels good in the moment because we don't want to feel bad or take drugs or alcohol or do something else to feel good or take away that negative feeling. And it also leads to us avoiding things that we need to do. So if something is beneficial and takes hard work, it doesn't necessarily feel good in the moment when you're doing it, but it's good for you. But if you base your life on what feels good in the moment, if you care about that, then you're not going to do the things that actually will help you lead and live a good life. And he also talks about pain being useful. Um, this idea that we think we're supposed to avoid pain at any cost, but we don't realize that pain is actually very useful. Physical pain is useful to tell you that there's something that's hurting your body in some way. If you're exercising and you feel pain, you have to say, is that pain of my muscles growing or am I damaging my body? If you feel back pain, you go see what you can do about it. So we want to be aware that pain psychologically is the same way. When you're sad, you want to understand why am I sad? Is it something in my relationships? Is it something I'm going through? Something that's missing in my life? But if we try to ignore those negative feelings because we have this mindset that we should always be positive, we're going to miss a lot of very useful information. But at the same time, he mentions, and I think this is also important, that uh, he says it in this way, that emotions are overrated, um, meaning that we can't take them to mean everything. So he says emotions are part of the equation of our lives, but not the entire equation. And I very much agree with that. I I'm all about getting in touch with your feelings and understanding them. But it doesn't mean that if you recognize you're angry, you have to act purely on that anger. So we don't let emotions run the show completely, but we want to be in touch with them and understand them. So you're sad or you're scared or you're whatever it is, but you don't let that make the decision for you. You might have a fear of intimacy, a fear of getting close because you want, don't want to get hurt, but you don't let that make the decision of you never entering into a close relationship. You don't let that dictate how you live your life. You're aware of the feeling, you try to understand it, and you can even deal with the feeling and maybe make it less. But just that you let the emotions run the show, that's going to be a problem. And always we want to try to integrate our emotional and rational parts of our minds or ways of thinking. We need both of them to make good decisions. So we want to be aware of the emotions, but we also want to make sure we're aware of the rational and logical side of things and come to the best decision when we integrate both sides. And he mentions that life is a struggle. Life is difficult, that I very much agree with. Every part of life has its challenges, and we have to recognize that and accept that, or else we're not going to actually be able to be successful or lead a good life. If you want to be in a romantic relationship, it's going to be difficult. Not every day is going to feel good. Not every moment is going to feel good. And if you're expecting that, you're in for a big surprise and you're in to make bad relationships. Or if you want to be successful in your career, you have to be ready to work hard. So he says that happiness requires struggles. 
And what I thought was interesting, he says that people, all people want to be certain things or have certain things. They want the good part. They want the result. But most people are not willing to accept the struggle. So he says everyone, you know, wants to be a rock star or a wealthy entrepreneur or a famous athlete, but they don't want the struggle and the pain that comes with that. And you have to love the struggle, not just the result. So if you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to be ready to take risks and to work really hard and to maybe not make money for a long time and to deal with setbacks and failures. If you're not willing to accept and love the struggle, and if you just love the result, then you don't really want it that bad, as he puts it. And this is actually why I always think I, I love watching sports, and I think it's great to watch sports, but I always think they should show more of how hard the athletes work to get to where they are. Because people just see them, and kids will see them and say, oh, look, I want to be a famous athlete. I want to be LeBron James, who was playing his first game at Staples Center last night and just enjoy that fun. But they don't realize the hours and hours he puts into working on himself and his body and studying videotape of the game and making sure he gets better every day. We have to love the struggle, not just love the result where we get the fame and attention and money. You have to love the struggle and the pain. And throughout the book, he gives a lot of what he might even call counterintuitive or paradoxical types of advice. So one title of the chapter is, uh, You Are Not Special which sounds kind of funny, but he talks about this idea that there's a problem with self-esteem. Now here, I sometimes disagree with how people will describe or define self-esteem, and you'll find lots of different definitions, but often people will define it as this idea that you think of yourself as better than other people or think so highly of yourself in a way, or as you're, that you're special or entitled to special treatment because of who you are. That's someone with high self-esteem. But to me, the idea of self-esteem is more this idea that you don't think you're better or worse than anyone else. You actually see yourself as equal. And because of that, you see yourself of worthy and love and respect just for being you. That you don't have to earn that. You are responsible for what you do and your actions and your behaviors. But that every human being is worthy of love and respect. And that includes you. That you don't have to prove yourself in some way to earn that. But anyway, he talks about this idea that this self-esteem movement, uh, or this idea that people think they have to have high self-esteem can lead to entitlement. And he says that it plays out in one of two ways. Either people think I'm awesome and the rest of you all suck, so I deserve special treatment, or I suck and the rest of you are all awesome, so I deserve special treatment. And that second one, I suck and the rest of you are all awesome, comes with this victim mentality that somehow I always have it the hardest or the worst, so I deserve better than other people. But as he says, we should all accept that we're actually average when it comes down to it in most characteristics. And I'm not special compared to everyone else. Or the way I like to think of it, we're all special and unique in a way, but everyone is special and unique. So it doesn't make you extraordinary. You're just like everyone else. Everyone else has their uniqueness and their talents and skills and abilities, but you don't deserve better treatment because everyone is that way. I also like an analogy he uses about physical health and mental health or emotional health about eating your vegetables. So he says how people are looking for the exciting things in life and thinking that's going to make them happy. But as he puts it, the ticket to emotional health, like that to physical health, comes from eating your veggies. That is accepting the bland and mundane truths of life. And I think that's very true. 
when it comes to living a good life or creating a good relationship, sometimes we think it's going to be those crazy, fun, exciting things that makes us happy or makes us have a good life. But really, it's about the small little things that aren't always so exciting, maybe going for a walk together, having a talk together, um, sharing some past memories with your partner. Those kinds of things are going to build a relationship, not just an exciting trip somewhere or big extravagant gifts. It's really the small things, as he puts it, eating your veggies, that makes you happy long term. And I think that's a very good point um, to make. Another chapter he has is about the value of suffering, which is interesting. He basically says, you always are going to have to suffer in life. And what you basically are doing is you're choosing your problems and you're choosing your struggles. So there is no life without struggles and challenges. Basically, you have to choose the ones that you want. Um, And he talks about the self-awareness onion, this idea that we have to try to understand ourselves better. And he talks about three layers of the onion, of understanding yourself, of self-awareness. The first one is, what are your emotions and when do you feel them? The second one, which is deeper, is why do you feel what you feel, which is very important. And then even deeper than that, he talks about what are your values. And really this whole book, or I think for me a main message of this book, is that you have to choose your values wisely because your values are going to determine how you live your life. Your values really determine what you care about and what you don't care about. And you can only care about so much. And he says that unfortunately many people value the wrong things. And he shares some examples of those. Uh, One is pleasure. They think that that's supposed to be the goal of life is to feel good in the moment. And that's going to lead you to do things that are short-sighted, to seek immediate gratification rather than trying to work hard towards some goal. Or even in your relationships, to seek maybe casual encounters that are exciting rather than working on a relationship and building on that. So when we value pleasure, when we think that's supposed to be the goal of life, we're very likely going to feel good in some moments, but not be happy long term. Another one related to that is material success, thinking that if I become rich and wealthy, I'm going to be happy, and that's going to lead to long-term happiness. When we see that that's not the case, you can chase those things, but we see that it's not going to make you happy long term. Uh, Another one he talks about is always being right that people seek always being right and wanting to not be wrong. And because of that, it affects their relationships and the choices they make. And a fourth one he mentions is staying positive. And so this theme comes up often throughout the book of trying to be happy or this idea that you should always be happy. That's a big problem. And I very much agree with that because when we live our life thinking we're always supposed to feel good, that a relationship is always supposed to feel good. We're, not understanding the truth of the matter, which is that things are going to be difficult and to build anything good, whether it's a good relationship or a good life or a good career, we have to be willing to struggle and to go through some pains. Um, The rest of the book, he gets in some other lessons that he thinks we should have, for example, that you should accept that you're wrong a lot more than you realize, which I think is true. And having that humility to realize you're wrong, or even in a way you're always wrong, maybe you become a little less wrong over time, but you're always going to be wrong about things. And he shares examples through his own life. Or the importance of failure, which a lot of people will talk about, but this idea that if you see anyone who's good at something, they've probably failed at it a lot. And I think that's a really good um, message. Just like I was talking about sports before, if you see someone who is good at shooting, they probably had to miss a lot of shots to become good at shooting. 
you have to keep trying. So if you're not failing, you're first of all not probably trying hard enough to do things that are challenging, but also you only can get good at something if you make mistakes. And we have to be willing to embrace that and not be afraid and not care if we make mistakes. So I'd recommend this book to anyone who wants a good light read with some good wisdom in it as well. It was funny, uh, as I mentioned, and you could read it in just one or two days, which is what I ended up doing. And so if you want a good book that gives you some information and some guidance, also makes you laugh and definitely a little bit different than what you might be used to, uh, check out The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Blank by Mark Manson. Again, a big thank you to KK for that recommendation. All right, we're at our first commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fatty Delacqui. We'll be right back. Back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, thanks for calling. Thank you. It's very good to be talking to you, and thank you so much for your, uh, this uh, program. My pleasure. Uh, uh, the reason I called you today is because of my son. Uh, he's actually on the phone. It's a conference call. Okay. And the question is that regarding his... Uh, school watch and studying and he has some um, thought in his mind that he says he cannot explain it but he's worried about the future he wants to uh, reach to the point to his goal very fast so it makes it difficult for him to continue his study of course he's, he's at the school and he's a very good kid he's trying to work very hard Mm-hmm. But he thinks that he has to reach his goal very fast. Okay. So it, I, I think. How old is I he? He's 20. 20? Okay. And you said he's he's on the air, so you, you're there? Yes, um, yes. Hi. Hi. Okay. So, I mean, I do want to let your dad tell me, but you can maybe tell me what you think about what he's saying and what's going on for you because you're going to know yourself better than any of us. So what do you think about what your dad said so far and let me know what you have on your mind, what's going on? Oh, yeah. It's definitely true. Um, I, after I graduated from high school, I went to two years community college mm-hmm. and then my GPA was not bad. It was like 3.3, 3.4. And then I transferred to a four years university. Okay. And, um, in the summer of 2018, last summer, um, I take, I took four courses mm-hmm. to at Combs State and to at Ohio State University. And then I ended up with three B and one C minus. The okay. C minus that I got was my Java class because I'm majoring in computer science engineering. Mm-hmm. And um, I was not satisfied at all. It was not something that I was expecting, but I spent so many, so many hours. I tried my best, but it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that's okay, that's fine. I'm just gonna move on to what happens. So this semester I took um, the next level of the Java and I was taking two other classes, 12 credits, not like a normal student. 
And what happened in the middle of the semester um, two weeks ago, I ended up dropping it. After I dropped that class, I started realizing, I started thinking with myself, what am I doing? Am I, am I in the right place? Am I, am I doing the right thing for my goal? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't quite sure, and my thoughts just started popping in my head one after another. Okay. And now, question after question. Yeah. Now, you said I dropped the class, but I'm sure there was some reason. So what was going on that led to you, you dropping the class? Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, since I'm majoring in computer science, mm-hmm. in order to get into engineering school, I need to reach uh, at least a GPA up that they're required. And with the C-minus that I got in summer, um, I had to get either B-plus or A. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the semester, I realized, okay, this is not happening. Okay. Not because I was not, I was not studying enough, not because I was, not, I was not spending enough time. I don't know why, but, um, and I know that for a fact, it may sound funny, but I'm not stupid. Okay. I know what, what, when, when, when the teacher teaches, I learn, I understand, I ask questions, I go to tutors. If I don't understand, I go to tutors, I go to office hours and tr- try to figure out my way. But yeah, I just saw it happening. So, so what do you think? Because yeah, because I was not reaching that GPA. Right. Okay. So, what do you think's going on then? Is it you think computer science is this not something you're mm, good at, uh, or you? Yes, I've thought about that. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think it's just it's, it's because it's computer science. Because I learn, I understand, I see what's going on, but when it comes to tests. Um, there are questions that I'm like, okay, I have never seen it. Obviously, the question has been taught by a teacher, but I, it seems I've never seen it because, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't look so necessary that I'm going to start and trying to memorize it. Like I don't go, I don't go in depth to the details. I, I just, I just when I'm when I'm studying, I just want to learn what I'm going to use it in the future. Like, how, like I don't know how to even explain it, but no, I'm going well, to learn what it's called or what that's called. You're, I'm going to you're learn expl- how, what it works and yeah. what it does. Okay, but you're explaining it, but look, if you're going to school, you have to try to get good grades in school, not just focus yeah. on when I graduate in you know several years, how I'm going to apply this knowledge. So when a professor tells you this is what you need to learn for this test, that's what you need to learn for that test. Now, if you think what their curriculum is is wrong and they need to modify it and it's not preparing you for your career, that's a separate question. But when you're in the class, you have no other choice but to say, I have to do everything to get the best grade in this class if that's what I'm trying to do. Yes, and that's where the problem starts. Why do I need to follow what they teach me? Because, okay, so I'm majoring in computer science and I'm, I'm learning about physics. If I'm learning about physics, when exactly am I going to use that physics in the future? Maybe, maybe never. I'm not. I'm not saying I know yeah. if that's right. So why am I spending three or four months of my life to learning it? You yeah. might. You might. Maybe you, you might be right that that's not the right thing to learn. I don't know about the curriculum of computer science and what's important to learn or not learn. But if you're telling me I want to get a degree in computer science, then that's what you have to do. There's no. Yes, that's I don't. Right. Okay. Now, well, why do I need to get a degree? That's a simple question. Almost anyone knows the answer. But why do I need to get a degree? I I don't know if you do. I'm asking you what you want to do and what if your goal involves getting the degree to then get the kind of job you want and the career you want, then you're going to have to accept that. But it seems like you're trying to get away from the responsibilities that are in front of you, which is 
if you if you tell me I want this degree and they say you have to take ballet dancing, you have to go take ballet dancing and get an try to get an A in that class. So to yes, to and to focus the on problem is uh, sorry the problem is I don't see why because my, the degree with my future and my success I don't think it has to do anything with it. Because after I get a degree, here's what happens, obviously. After I get a degree, I spent four years, five years of my life mm-hmm. to get a degree. And then after I get a degree, uh, I, ended up, I end up with this, this bunch of loans that I need to pay. So what I need to do, I need to find a job. Mm-hmm. When I find a job, I need to find a job that's going to pay me so I can pay my loans, not a job that I like to do. If well, I want to find a job that I really like to do, then why did I get a degree and put myself in debt? Well, I don't, I don't know exactly the jobs that are going to be available to you. I'm not a career counselor specifically in computer science, but I'm just telling you what I'm hearing from you is that it seems like because you don't like what you have to do, you don't want to do it. Exactly. Why, why do I need to do something that I don't like? Because not, not because of school. I don't like, I don't like what, I'm, what, what I'm basically wasting my time because I'm doing something and no matter how hard I try... Not only that it's not happening, but I don't see why is it necessary for me to do it in order to be successful in the future. Because my, I don't see how my success has to do anything with my degree. I don't care if it's computer science, business, anything. But well, why do I need to be, be get a degree? To be, because my goal is to be successful. Okay. I, I, I'm sure that's anyone. Sure. And why and do I need to get a degree to be successful if... I don't see how that works for my success. I'm not, if I get a degree, I ended up working yes. for someone. I don't want to work for someone for the rest of my life. I want to be the one that other people wish to work for. Okay, but and sure. And that's not easy to get, of course. I understand. But, but hold on one second. Hold on one second. But just to say that because I have a degree, people can't work for me doesn't make any sense. Now, you can say I don't need a degree to do what I want to do, and maybe that's possible. But it seems like you're trying to mix a bunch of things together at the same time to say that well if i want people to work for me then why do i have to have a degree you don't necessarily have to but it doesn't mean that if you have a degree people won't work for you and doesn't open any doors for you so yeah of course yeah and i wouldn't say that no matter what you want to do education doesn't matter if you want to become a medical doctor you have to get a degree and go through the route because you can't just open up an office and say come to my office and i'm going to throw medicines you know at you so maybe in computer science you're right it's possible to learn it on your own and to do your own thing it's it's very possible and some people you'll hear success stories in my opinion i don't see something you'll lose you might say you're losing some time in going ahead with the education and learning and getting that degree i don't think it takes anything away from you two more years of studying to get a degree i don't know what you lose but it's two years of if, if I get a degree, well, it, what it takes away from me is I'm gonna because when I in my situation, I need to get loans to okay. go to school, and after two years, after three years, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pay those loans. So I need to find it. I have at that point, um, I don't have any option but to get a job that's gonna pay me, and I have to pay for my loans. Sure. What, what, what would so, you, if you don't I, go to school, sure, let me, hold on, okay, but let me, let's say you don't go to school, what is your next step? Oh, to self taught myself. To do what? To, to teach myself. Okay. To, to just, just learn, learn what I like to learn. Right. Learn what I want to learn, learn what interests me. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm, as I, as I, as far as I know myself, 
I'm not a lazy boy. I don't just just like just wake up, do this, do that. If I want to do something, I'm gonna I'm I'm willing to take anything that takes me to make that happen. <laughs> but and you... no matter no matter how long does it take, shorter or better. But if if it's gonna take me a year, if I know if if I, if I know, of course I cannot guarantee it. But if I know eighty percent, ninety percent, that's gonna happen. I'm gonna be willing to to do anything to make it happen. Okay, so you're no saying if I, if I have I have a girlfriend. If, if my girlfriend after I drop her out of school, probably she's gonna not she's going to, but I'm gonna I'm going to break up with her because I'm if because I'm risking my life. If I drop out of college, I am risking my life. I don't want to risk my own life and my future. May probably maybe but my um, future wife. So well, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna look. Okay, I am putting my whole entire life in risk. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to do that, I don't want to take. If I if it doesn't happen, because I cannot guarantee it's going to happen. It's a it's a big, it's a huge risk. Right. But if I'm going to do that, I don't want to take you down with me. So I but, I'm going to do that. I'm willing even to. My point is, I'm even willing to do that to do and to study and learn what I actually want to. I know, but that doesn't necessarily tell me you're so committed to what you're doing. Maybe you don't want to be in this relationship. I know. Well, if, if yeah, if you were more in details, you would know how bad I wanted to be in this relationship. Okay, then I don't understand why if you want to drop out of school, you have to break up with your girlfriend. She can want to break because up I'm with you. I'm my life in risk. But uh, what if it doesn't happen? Okay. What if, what if after I dropped out of college, after spending a year, um, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be where I want, what I, what I was, what I thought to be. So what okay. If I couldn't do anything. What different? So th- then what? Why? Why would your girlfriend have to not be with you? I don't understand. Because because then I'm I'm because I'm almost I, then after two years I have to go back to school and yeah. she's she's she has graduated from school she's ha- she already has a job she she doesn't why why does she need to stop her life because of me I, because I mean she's, now she's but hold on hold on hold on hold why are you making these decisions <laughs> for her because I don't want to take her down with me you don't you know, you don't need to take anyone anywhere you're saying I'm going to drop out of school if you want to do that which I'm not necessarily agreeing with yet. But if you did that, I don't know why you have to break up with her. You're 20 years old. I don't know because why. I don't, I, because because I don't see how she wants to be with me. Because she's. But I know. But hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let her make a decision for her life, not you make the decision. Oh, I for know. Her. I know what's her decision. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Well, let her make it. But you keep saying she's gonna. I'm gonna make her. You're, you're making the decision for her. If she says I don't want to be with you. Of course, that's always her decision, just like it's your decision to be or not be in this relationship. But you keep saying, I'm taking her down with me, which also, I mean, it's not a very promising thing for what you're saying about yourself. But I don't know why you're making that decision for her. Because I know her thoughts. Okay. Has she told you that? Yes, yes. It's quite obvious. But yes, she. after, if I drop out of college, she, of course, I don't... I'm ninety percent sure she doesn't want to leave me. Okay. Well, you can almost talk. Almost said it, not quite, but yes. Okay. Well, look, we're actually. And if I could explain how this relation, how much this relationship means to me, you would tell me then why are you doing this? Yeah, I'm a little. It, I'm a little bit confused about why you're doing a lot of things. I'm trying to understand. It does seem like, <laughs> I'm, you know, in hearing you talk, it feels a little bit all over the place, and that's my concern: is that you're going in lots of directions, but you might not go anywhere if you go the way you are. Yeah, that's that's the reason we called you. Yeah, well, I'm glad, and I'm glad, you, and I'm glad we're talking. And we're actually at a commercial break, so let's talk some more after the break, okay? Okay. Thank All you, right. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back.
back before the break. We were with a caller. Let's go back to him now. Radio Hammer, are you still there? Uh, yes, I am. All right. Okay, so before the break, we talked about what's going on in your life, and there's a lot going on, and there's a lot going on in your mind clearly about what you want to do and also what you don't want to do, and you're trying to figure out uh, what to do now. My concern right. from what I heard in some of what you said or the way I felt from what you were saying is that you were avoiding some of the responsibility right in front of you. And that's what concerns me is that dropping out of school isn't just because it's the best choice, but it's that it'll feel easier right now because I'm not sure what's changed um, since a few months ago, other than the courses were challenging. Um, I don't, well, well, yeah, of course I don't think that way. Okay. But I, I, it made me to think where I'm going with this, where mm-hmm. I'm going with my education. Like, I spend hours and hours. I spend, this is just two years, and I have to spend another two years. But I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking, what's going to happen after two years? Let's say I, I graduate with a GPA in 4.0. I spend hours, I'd be successful, I'd be great. What's going to happen next? That's what I'm thinking, and that makes me just think more about: Am I am I in the right path for my success? Well, what do you mean? What's going to happen next? You'll you, you'll probably find a job. Yes, but I'm going to find a job. I'm going to end up working for someone. Okay, but in two years from now, you're saying if you don't go to school, you'll somehow you'll start your own business in the next that's two years. That's a risk. No, that's a risk that I'm taking. That's a risk that if if I can do something, if I can come up with I don't know an idea or come up with a program, something, mm-hmm. then I can, I can, I can, I can make a, quite a money out of it. Or I can just like, after years spending time and time doing something, trying to do something, and if it doesn't happen, and that's the point where I'm, where I'm, okay, I'm done. It's just not happening. So at that point, probably I have to go back to school, or I just have to be, be stuck at my job that I'm having right now and not work for there. But this is the risk that I'm taking, and that's why, um, if it doesn't, that's why I mentioned my girlfriend, because after that, of course, she's a really smart girl, and she does not want to be with someone who just dropped out of college and taking the risk to to uh, not be successful and have nothing after, after two years or after a year. Mm-hmm. So are you convinced that it's not because you didn't like the classes as far as how challenging they no. were? Not at no. all. If it's challenging, then I'm going to face it. Uh, if I have to drop it, I'm going to drop it, take it again. If I have to drop it again, I'm going to drop it again, take it, and then learn it. But if I know that's exactly what I need to, what I need to do. So you, you felt like do. the class, did you feel like it was teaching you anything important? It was all unimportant. No, I learned a lot from Okay, that. good. So I definitely did. And if I, I don't mind dropping it. I drop it because that's how life is. I, I'm going to fail it. I'm going to try again. Fail it, try it again. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many times I try. What I care is after trying so many times, not even trying, after spending hours, am I going to get the result that I actually want? But I'm still trying to understand. You're saying you tried and you spent so many hours, but then you weren't getting a good grade. Right. So what was going on? Oh, exactly. I don't know. I don't know why I spend time, I study, maybe, 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 I don't know how to study. Maybe um, I'm just not a good student, or I don't know. But, but when, I, when I open the book, when I read it, I understand. I can actually follow it and do it. But when it comes to tests, 
I like it. I, I get it back great. Now, do you, in general, have you had that experience where you do bad on tests? No, okay. in my in my two year in my two years um, coming to college, I, I after two years I had a GPA three point four. Okay. So I didn't have any classes below E. Okay, because some people, yeah, some people have you know test anxiety or things like that, so they'll know the information, but then when it comes time for the test, they'll I, really I don't underperform. Know the information. You feel like you don't know the information? Yeah, I can tell when it comes to tests. I'm like, okay, I have never seen this. Where did it come from? Maybe, maybe, or maybe it's because of the university that I'm going. Maybe that they, they always just because um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Ohio State University. It's a huge university. You said Ohio State uh, class. Yes, the Buckeyes. Yes, okay. It's a huge university, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, maybe, maybe because there are too many students in that class. And I'm not getting enough help or enough attention or enough. I'm, I'm not having that connection with my teacher to learn enough. I don't know what it is. Well, I don't. I, all I know is, all I see is I spend time, even more time, more hours than I ever used to. But not that I'm not only getting the results, but I'm getting bad results. Well, and that's the part I want you to think about or I'm concerned about. Because I still am hearing it is that you didn't like the result, not just that you don't like the path altogether now maybe there's issues with the path but i hear what you're saying more as almost you're angry at the system and yeah, yes because i'm learning because because as i said and explained um i'm learning something i'm i'm spending time and this is my problem because i'm spending okay three months four months yeah. is a lot of time mm-hmm. i can't I, if i focus in only and only one thing doing let's say let's say for example I want to learn how to code in Java. It's just a programming language. Mm-hmm. If I spend four time only, four months, and try to read books, try to watch videos, try to take online courses, I think after four months, I'm going to be quite good at it. Because four months is a lot of time. And I, if I spend eight, nine, ten hours every day, then I should be good at it, unless I have a problem, I have, I have a low IQ. Well, I agree with that, but that's very, I'll be honest, that's also very hard to do. I'm not saying it's not possible. The good thing that school gives you is it gives you structure and it gives you that uh, a schedule of doing the work. Is it possible to learn everything you learn in college on your own? Uh, Most, a lot of times it is, but the whole thing is it gives you a structure. But I'm still trying to understand on one hand, you're saying I can study eight hours a day. But on the other hand, you're saying you probably didn't study enough to get a good grade in this class. I studied a lot, but as the results shows, I didn't study enough. Okay, so why didn't you study eight hours a day in the class? I did. But it, it seems, as a, as a result, it seems that eight hours is not enough. I need to study more. Okay. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how, what the classes are like. That sounds like a lot um, to study. Yeah, well, eight hours is a lot. If I, if I spend eight hours to study all by myself, I am 100% sure I'm going to be good at it. Yeah. But when it comes to school, when they, they teach me, they tell me, okay, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And when I do it, I spend time, and I see it's just not happening. I, and I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> but I'm... when I, if I, I, I know this for a fact. If I spend eight hours a day for three, four months, because each semester is three months, and the, the, the programming class that I took is three credits. And I have to study three three hours for every credit, so that's nine hours. If I study nine hours um, all by myself, just from the scratch, get books, 
and I don't know, watch online uh, videos, everything. After three months, I'm 100% sure I'm going to be good at it. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm going to master it, but I'm going to be good at it. Yeah, I'm but in school, that, that, that's not happening. I'm, I'm, I'm spending hours, but it's not happening. But were you? But hold on, were you spending eight hours a day studying? That's a lot. No, were you spending yeah. eight hours a day? I'm sorry? Last semester, did you spend eight hours a day studying? Not every day. Okay, but that's I mean, my yeah, point. But you're saying, like that. I understand, but you're saying if I'm on my own, I'm going to study this much and I'm going to learn it, but you didn't do that in your classes. So if you don't do it in your classes, you don't know how much you could learn from the classes anyway. And I think you can get good grades. I'm still hearing and how you're talking about it that you're mad at the the system. You're upset with... I, I really am because I spent so much time. Yeah, and I could see that's frustrating. I, I, I don't see it happening. <laughs> I can understand that's very frustrating to put in a lot of work, to try hard, um, to really want to achieve it, and then it didn't happen, you know, didn't work out. I could get that that's very right. frustrating. And that's what I'm hearing. And that's why I don't want you... To I don't know what's going to be the right choice for you, but I wouldn't want you to stop going to school because you were mad at the, the no, school. No, definitely not. That's the last thing that I want, you know, I want to do. Yeah. I know this is obvious that dropping out of school is definitely not the best option. Yeah, I don't want it to come from that, that place, and I'm not saying it necessarily is, but what I'm hearing from you is a lot of this, they make, you know, it's stuff that even kids say in school, like, why do I have to learn you know, algebra, I'm never going to use it in my life. Or why do I have to learn this history? It's never going to be part yeah, of my life. It's so and, yeah. Yes, and it, and there's some truth to that. But again, it's kind of what we have to do right now. If you want, you can go into education and try to change the system. And I think that's not a bad idea. But at this time right now where you're at, if you want to get a degree in computer science, this is what you have to do. And I don't see it as taking away from you. I know you might have to have some student loans and it does take some time, but I see it very unlikely that when you get the degree, it just two more years or maybe two and a half, three years, you're going to feel like it was really a bad idea to do it. And I also hear a lot of your feeling like I want to do something really big, which I'm not saying you shouldn't want to do, but it does feel like on some level it's about, I don't want something big now rather than realizing you're going to have to put in a lot of work of not being big or doing something big. And more than likely, you will work for someone for some time before you create your own right. whatever you want to create. So you might have to accept that that's going to be part of what it is, is right now you're in the struggle part of the whole process. You're not in the shining part where you get to feel good. And that maybe is not something you're comfortable with right now, just being in that place you're in. You don't want to be in that. And I think these grades that you got didn't feel good to you. And I can understand they didn't feel good and almost you felt insulted by them and didn't want to accept them. So you're saying, you know what, it's not that I got a bad grade, it's that the whole system is stupid and I'm just going to go away from it completely. And I don't want you to leave for any of those reasons. I would rather you go and face what you are having challenges with, overcome that, and that'll probably be more valuable and you'll have a degree which will still be worth a lot and whatever you still want to do, you'll be able to do. Correct. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. You know, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, go so ahead. Can I have something input? I believe that uh, subject is, is totally different from different subjects. Learning programming is, is not the same as sure. learning the physics. Or that, that's why he, I think that's the, that's the reason that he's struggling. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And also, the background on the first course, which is the foundation of the second mm -hmm. uh, 
So I, I believe that he, he, if he repeats the first quarter, he's going to be more comfortable with the second quarter and then he's going to be over. Yeah, and, and you're right. Computer science is a different field. I'm not an expert in it, but I know it's something that people learn on their own and can become very successful. So I'm not saying he can't do it, and I don't want to in any way say that. I just want to make sure that he makes the decision for what would I consider the right reasons and make sure he's not making it for wrong reasons. And to me, him continuing for two more years seems like it makes sense to me to get the degree if financially there really is such a burden on the family that it's not possible and he's going to have huge debt. That's something to consider, but I still see the benefit in him finishing the degree and he'll learn a lot and he'll still have all the options he wants after that. But, you know, that could be my bias of looking at education as probably the best route for most people and getting a degree is something that no one can take away from you and won't take away from what he can do. Uh, and I still felt the anger towards the system and the disappointment in getting a negative result, which I can understand. If you try really hard and you get that result, it doesn't feel good. And it even can lead to some feelings of doubt, of doubting yourself in some way. I don't know if that came to your mind at all of the doubt of, is this the right field? It seemed like you said that, but I think that's scary too, that to really go back to school and try 100%. And if it didn't work out, I could see how that would be scary for you to get that result. And maybe you don't want to face that challenge either, or that fear that what if I try again and I don't succeed? Yeah, uh, the good thing about uh, that I know about myself is I have a really high confidence. So okay. I know that if I want to do something, then if I try hard enough, then I can make it happen. I never had doubt that I'm not smart, smart enough to get through the education and get okay. through my school. But I just want to make sure what I'm doing, what I'm spending hours, uh, hours and hours, times and months and even years, that it is going to give me what I want. It is going to happen what I'm looking for. I don't care how long it takes, five years, ten years, but if it's going to give me what I'm actually looking for, I would be willing to take anything. Well, but I mean, it's not going to even take five years, ten years. It would take two years and then you'd be done and then everything else would still be there. So I think you put in a lot of time and you didn't get results you like, which I can understand, didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Maybe you felt like what you learned wasn't that important, but also the grades didn't feel good and even having to drop a class feels obviously wasteful but i still feel that you're not going to lose much by finishing school that and that's for me there's not much of a loss there's a financial and there is some time but i don't think it's completely wasted time like if you're studying at school everything you learn is useless and everything you'd learn on your own would be really good and learning on your own is challenging too i'm not saying you can't do it but to create the structure to know what to study yeah and and even to keep yourself disciplined will be very challenging it sounds easy we always imagine okay starting next week i'm gonna you know read for eight hours every single day and we think we're going to be this different person but then we show up next week and it's still us and it's not that easy to work that hard especially when there's no structure or people to keep us accountable so my feeling is continuing school at least try it one more semester and see how it goes but do what you were telling me say you know what i'm going to go to school and i'm going to study eight hours a day just like i said i would if i did it on my own and then see what i can do see if you can get the good grades and i'm not saying it to make the professors happy but for yourself to show yourself you can do it and do well. And I think if you get the degree, it won't take away any opportunities from you. But also, if you leave, you might always have that feeling of, could I have done it? Now, I know you're saying you don't worry about that, but my guess is there's somewhere some doubt of, 
I couldn't do it if you drop out. Because it wasn't like you just dropped out because you didn't like it only. It was also that you faced some challenges. So my feeling is that if you go for it, at least one more semester, try 100%, do everything you're saying you would do on your own as far as the effort goes, and then you can see where you stand in a few months. Yes, I was also considering to, um, of course, continue my education, but I was also considering, um, do you think it would be a good idea? Because I have already talked to a counselor today Mm -hmm. um, from different universities, and they do not have the same program. They do not have computer science engineering. They have system engineering, which is kind of similar. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is a good idea for me to um, transfer to, that's a private university, to transfer to another university where I can have a lot more opportunities. Because then I, I, I used to play soccer. At that point, I can join a soccer team. I can have a hobby at the side. Because at this point of my life, all I used to do was work and study. Now, all I do is just study. I don't even have the work because I had to quit mm-hmm. because of my school. But I don't know. I, I feel it would be a good idea for me to change my school and go because in the other university that, I, that I'm thinking of, I can join a soccer team and I know a lot of friends who go there so I can actually deal with some people and talk okay. to them and actually have fun. I, I don't, I don't want to say for you to transfer or not, but I'm still, you know, even in what you're saying now, it feels a little bit scattered because you're saying I won't have enough time because I have to study so much, but then I want to have time for soccer and more friends and things. So I don't know where all the time is going to come from. So I would say definitely don't give up on school. Oh, yeah. Finish oh, yeah. school. I think I would even say stay where you are because you tell me on one hand I can learn it all on my own, but on the other hand I want to go. I need more attention from the professors. So I don't understand which one it is. But if you can figure it out on your own, you, of course, need help from the professors. I would say stay where you're at. I think you're trying to get away from the problem a little bit. And that's what concerns me is that you didn't do well there and you want to go somewhere else to get away from it. And that's my concerns. I hear some avoidance in how you're talking, which is something we all do in different times. And I'd rather you face it than avoid it. Yes. Yes. So I would rather you keep going to Ohio State and try your best and show yourself that you actually can do it, which I think you can, and then go forward from there. That would be my recommendation. At least try one more semester where you're at. Yes, okay. Best of luck to you. Call me in a little bit. Let me know how you're doing, okay? Yes, definitely. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. My pleasure. Nice talking. Uh, Have a great day. Yes. Thank you, Dr. I have a question for you. Is there any... uh, any place to save the, your program yes, so you yes. So I have a SoundCloud page. So if you go to soundcloud.com, um, I have a page there. And then also I have a podcast on iTunes. So SoundCloud, uh, Fadi Tolakwi? Yes, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, or also on iTunes. I'm sure your son probably, he can he could program my show for me if you wanted to. So I'm sure he can help help you find it much easier yeah. than I could even help you find it. So I'm sure he'll be able to help you with that. Nice talking. You guys have a great day. Bye bye. All right. Another commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi. Are you talking to me? Yes, I am. Thanks for calling. Oh, thank you so much for uh, giving me the opportunity. Sure. Uh, before I um, 
I uh, ask my question. May I have the name of the book that uh, at the beginning you just Sure. Uh, with, with? Yeah, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Blank. And that last word is the, the F word. Okay. Yeah. The subtle, uh, subtle, S-U-B-T-L-E, by Mark Manson. Thank you so sure. much. And the other question I have is just while you were talking to the uh, previous um, uh, caller, where can I listen to your program? You mentioned iTunes and... Uh, mm-hmm. And SoundCloud. There's a website, SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com, and then if you search Dr. Fatty Tulakwe, I have a page okay. and all my shows are on there. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Thank sure. you so sure. much. And my question is regarding my uh, daughter, who is a teenager, and just a brief um, background about uh, our family. I have uh, two other daughters, and um, the age difference is on average seven years, from first one to the second and second to the third one. The first two, they were pretty much on their own. I was never, ever involved in their, um, at least academia, never knew what they were doing, homework, what they had to they were super achievers, very good universities, and out of the house. And I still am not involved in their life. Very good kids. My third one is a good kid. Yeah. I have no complaint. It's not like she's rebellious or involved in drug or... Oh. And, and by the way, it, it, she, would, she could still be a good kid if, even if she's rebellious. But, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, uh, the problem is um, with her academics and school... Um, Maybe it's not a problem. Maybe I am the problem. I really don't know. I just want to figure out because I haven't uh, had this issue before. So I don't know if I am the problem, she's the problem, none of us are the problem, or both of us. That's something I cannot figure out. So I don't really know what to do about it. Um, I need her to be uh, on her own. I didn't want to force force any of my kids to study hard, especially during elementary in middle school, I thought, oh, maybe, okay, she's in middle school, she's just getting herself familiar with school and education. But then in high school, then I figured, no, she needs help. I got involved. If I am um, in charge, managing her, she she studies, but it's not like she's a straight-A student. But if I just withdraw and let her to be on her own, like my other two daughters, she basically fails. Hmm. Okay. And um, it's, um, I can, I have, n- n- I have noted different uh, reasons for that. One is she wants the end, end result. She really wants to be successful like her uh, sisters. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, she doesn't want to put the work, just like you were saying about the, in the book, yeah. that the athletes, she sees them, she wants to be like them, uh, she wants to be a champion, but no practice, mm-hmm. no, you know, mm-hmm. that, that no drill uh, work. The other thing with her is she really doesn't know how to manage, even when it comes to her little things, taking her time, you know, uh, scheduling her time, she cannot really do it. And I have to, for example, tell her, you need to, for example, spend 15 minutes uh, taking shower, and then, because you can't say one hour in the shower, you have other stuff to do. Kind of like, and I hate to do that. I, I, I don't know if it's, uh, I, I don't know if I should do that or it's normal to do that because I haven't done it before with any of my kids or, mm-hmm. 
I really don't know. I mean, yeah. And the other problem with her is when she's at the school, she has improved a lot attitude-wise. But, for example, she didn't see any value in education and she couldn't figure out why. Um, for example, she has to take physics, although it's not of any help. For example, if she wants to go to medical school, why does she have to take economics? Mm-hmm. Things like that. And then not to be rude to teachers, but that's my perception that, for example, she has showed um, official expressions in the class to teachers like, I don't appreciate what you're doing in the class or your lessons, mm-hmm. things like that. She has come over that. Well, let me ask you, how is she with you and with her father? Polite, loving, caring, but for example, when it comes to teaching, I want to, I can see she struggles in math, and I'm very good at math. Uh, I have, my degree is in math, actually, I have master's. So I'm like, okay, let me help you. And what I have noted, her problem is, she doesn't want to read the lesson, she just want to jump to the uh, exercises before doing the lessons, or just very briefly go over math, which is, it may take a lesson, may take you few hours at least to figure out but then uh, when she goes to exercises um, the day she studies I'm like okay you have to memorize this formula not only memorize you have to explain yourself what's happening math has a step you have to say step one I do this she doesn't want to do that and then if I want to force her to do that I'm like okay just imagine I'm a tutor you have to repeat I'm like what is the next step why are you doing this first of all I shouldn't ask you this but when I ask you answer me then she asked us, what are you saying? Oh, my God. I can you know what yeah. yeah, the, And then she gets mad. Okay. So the, the thing is, you know, what we're seeing is almost no motivation from her. And that's exactly. that's going to be an issue because, like you even said, I force her or if I, you know, stay on top of her, she'll get work done. That's not going to be, obviously, a long-term plan and it's not going to work. It has to come somewhere from within her. And we have to try to find that and understand what's going on for her. What does she want to do? What does she want to do in life? And yeah, there does seem to be a disconnection with her, with this understanding that whatever you want to do, you have to work hard or life is going to be difficult sometimes or there's challenges that she wants everything to just come easily. And that's going to be a big problem for her in life in general. So that would be my concern. I wouldn't be so focused on her grades today. Of course, they do matter and they matter in the sense of trying to get her to get motivated. But I wouldn't be so focused on that and have a bigger picture view of what's going on for her. What does she want in her life? How is she doing? And also, we do want to be aware of, is there any depression going on underneath all of this when we look at the, the motivation issues? Is there something bigger going on? Because I always tell parents, if your kid is getting an F in a class... It could mean they're in completely the wrong class, so they're just not qualified at all to be in that class or competent, but usually it's more of an emotional grade, meaning something is going on with them bigger, like they're not trying, they're missing class, they're having some issues, something's going on. So we want to look at those bad grades, not just as academic, but also as reflecting something emotionally or psychologically that's going on. So if she can't get a good grade unless you're on top of her, we have a big problem, something's going on. Um, so how do you see her doing overall when I use that, when I said she, let's think about depression, what do you see in her? She is a very happy, jolly kid and she has always been with the biggest smile. She enjoys life, any little adventure, any, and she's in a sport, she, she does tennis, she 
She's very good at it. She enjoys it. And everybody loves to have her around. I'm telling you, she's a very good kid. But um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not arguing about her being good or not. I'm sure she's yeah. good. But it's just trying to understand what she's going through. Because I know you're saying she's very happy, and she might be. But there also does seem to be a lot of anger in how you describe her. Yes, she does have anger. I, I have noticed that, too. She has anger. Um, yeah. And but it, it's not anger issue. Okay, I'm... Maybe, maybe not. But one thing I'll say, and I'm, again, not saying that she's necessarily depressed, but just for parents, that in kids and adolescents, a big sign of depression is anger, or you see anger even more. So it's just something to keep in mind, that we might think that if the kid's very angry, that's something different than depression, but often that's how they show their depression. So I'm not saying she necessarily is, but when you're saying there's such an issue with motivation that she doesn't want to do virtually anything that involves work, uh, that does concern yeah. me overall. Again, doesn't mean she's depressed, but something's going on, and we have to try to get her to realize that whatever she wants, she's going to have to work for it. So I wonder, how are things in the house? Do you think it's possible that you guys have made things too easy for her in the house? Um, before I answer your question, yeah. that's basically my uh, concern too. What is the reason for lack of her motivation? And that's actually... Um, you just um, uh, you just you brought up exactly what is my concern. What is the lack of? What is the reason behind her lack of motivation? But as far as, as, far as the household, um, yeah, everything is pretty much has been easy for her. But it has been easy. It's the same exact way it has been for my other two daughters. Too. Yeah. Well, and that's one thing that, you know, parenting is, is obviously difficult, even if it's just one kid. But when you have multiple kids, a lot of parents have this experience. They say, we did something with the older one, and we did the same thing with the younger one, and got a very different result, and they're confused. And it's that, exactly. you know, parenting is not just like a cookbook recipe that you do one thing and you always get the same result, because it's an interaction between you and the kids. And so the same actions with a different kid, you're going to get different results. On top of the fact that we're talking about 14 years later from your first kid to the third yeah. kid. So I'm sure you and your husband are different. I'm sure even yeah. the world is different and the way, you know, you have to be a different parent now than you were before 14 years ago. There was an iPhone for you to worry about things like technology and the way that you have to be worried about or think about with a kid now. So it's a very different time. So just to think that because I'm doing the same thing, getting a different result means something has to be wrong with her or something's going on is not necessarily the case, but each kid is going to require different things from you. And so it seems like she needs something very different from you than what your first two kids needed. And you also have to look at what's different in the home. I mean, when you look back 14 years ago, I can imagine you and are you, are you married to her father? Are you guys still together? Yeah. Okay. Even there could be things different in your guys's life in the way you guys are than you were seven years ago, 14 years ago. So we have to be aware of that too, that it's not just about she's different. You guys might be different too. And we have to look at those factors that could be playing a part. Something might be going on there. But the feeling she has, there's an entitlement, which actually that book does talk about that I mentioned at the top of the show. Um, uh, you know, this idea of entitlement that I should just get what I want or I want to just have these things, but I don't want to have to work for them. And that's obviously concerning because that's not going to be a good recipe. Now we're at a commercial break. I want to talk to you some more. So just hang on the line uh, and we'll talk a bit. Sorry, go ahead. Yo, oh, okay. Sure, thank you so much. Sure, sure, my pleasure. Yes, talk to you in a few minutes after the break. Thank you. Sure. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fatty Delacqui. We'll be right back.
back before the break with the caller. Let's go back to her now. Caller, are you still there? Yes, I Okay, am. all right. We're, so we're talking about your daughter, and you're worried about uh, her motivation, and I am too. We, we have to think about this as a bigger picture issue, and you're going to have to talk to her and work with her on this because something's going on with her that's bigger than just a math class or uh, a history class or whatever it might be. We have to, to get her interested and excited about her own life. And right now it doesn't seem like she is as far as the big picture goes. Does she have any bigger goals for herself in her life? Um, that's what I'm puzzled about. Okay. I just I mean, look, everyone wants good things. No one says, I want to be unsuccessful and not make money and not do well. So obviously she wants those things. Everyone does. So I wouldn't think of it as such a paradox that she wants those things, but maybe she doesn't follow through. But also you have to make sure you're letting her, you know, like you say, I'm telling her to get out of the honors classes. I would talk to her more about what's going on, not what's happening. Okay, so you want to be in these honors classes. What do you think is happening with your grade? What does she say about her grades? That's the other problem I have had with her since she was a toddler started to talk. She is, um, she, um, when you ask her a question, doesn't matter how nice, how caring, and how loving you are, and, then you, and she knows there's no, you don't ask her for, you know, if the result is not what you want to hear to punish her. She knows that's not the case. But for example, I said, what is the problem? How can I help you? She doesn't say anything. She never talks. And to the point that uh, sometimes I want to chop my head up, but uh, she doesn't She doesn't tell you what is the issue. Okay, so you're saying from childhood she was that way. Yeah, she was, she was a toddler, basically. Mm-hmm. She hasn't changed. That's how she was. Yeah. When she would get down or sad, would she come to you? You mean... Uh, what I mean uh, is my concern is that she might be someone that hides her feelings. Do you think she might hide her feelings from you? Yes, I can see that she, that's how she is, hiding her feelings. Yeah, okay. Um, and so that's something to look at how comfortable you make it for her to express things to you. You and her her dad. Because this is why, again, you know, different kids are going to be different. She might be more sensitive to how you feel, so she might hide things from you because she sees how much it affects you, for example, or her father. That could be... That could be a reason too. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. That could be one, one of the reasons. I mm-hmm. can see that. Yeah, because my concern when you talk about her being so happy, but then there's also this anger is that maybe the happy is sometimes like a facade. Like she puts on a face and maybe she's not so happy. Uh, I'm sorry, just to yeah. um, explain it a little bit more. Um, it's not like she's an angry person. Or she lose her temper. She's she's not temperament. You know, mm-hmm. that's not how she is. But I can see she can be, for example, angry of the teacher when the teacher is unfair. If she thinks the teacher 
has preferences like the um, better player in the team, the tennis mm-hmm. player, like, you know, sometimes teachers show preferences of the, the person who's getting a straight A versus a student like her, C, I can see she's angry. Yeah, well, sometimes parents show preferences too. Do you feel like you guys have ever shown that to the other kids compared to her? I tried not to, but I have no idea, honestly. I cannot okay. try to. What about like from your husband? Um, my husband, uh, pretty much the same. Okay, what's his? What is he like, and what's his relationship like with her? My husband has been on Britney Street mainly and hasn't really been involved okay. uh, with them growing up. So um, it, 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 it's not a very close relationship, but it's not uh, any, not too much different. Okay, so he's been, it sounds like you're saying he's been pretty absent. Yes. Okay. Well, we have, that that's, definitely has an effect and I know maybe you're saying the other two kids had it the same, um, but again, each kid's going to be affected by things differently. And so it could be that this younger one is, let's say, more sensitive than the other two. So even these things might have affected her more. But your husband not being involved is a big deal. And maybe the other kids, even them being so studious was a way of escaping some of that too, getting away, escaping from something that was missing there. I'm not saying it's bad to be studious, but they might not have been so happy either. So I wouldn't just assume everything is so okay because your first two kids were academically successful. And yeah, if you you don't have your father involved in your life and he's missing most of the time, that doesn't feel very good. And then if the father's not there that much, that means you're not getting probably enough from him either. And that's a problem. And then if again, if you're, this younger daughter is slightly more sensitive and attuned to your feelings, she might see that you're a little bit more alone and she doesn't want to put a pressure on you or burden on you. Yeah. Do, do you feel like there is a loneliness that you feel? Um, yes and no. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's, um, yes and no. It's just not a, I really don't know what to say. Yeah. But, well, I mean, yeah. I, I'm just wondering about your husband being gone. How do you, how do you feel about that, him traveling so much for work? Raising these kids, mm-hmm. have, all of them being so far apart, and then um, um, I really haven't sensed that as much because I've been so busy with life. But uh, well, of but, course, but isn't being better. but isn't your marriage a big part of your life, or should be? Yeah, that that's uh, what I wanted to ask. Yeah. that it would be much better if he was around yeah. to help me and to be with me. Um, but um, more more often, but then I looked at it as uh, okay, this is the compromise we have to make. We have a more comfortable life, but then life is not perfect. But on the other hand, he's not going to be around that much. Mm-hmm. Kind of right, and yeah, I'm not saying you necessarily had a choice at this point. So it's not about uh, blame. We're saying you're doing something wrong, but it's looking at the situation and. This happens a lot when the there isn't a strong marriage, as far as especially connection. Then the mother, usually it ends up being the mother, gets more preoccupied with the kids, sometimes not in a good way, too. But I'm yeah. wondering, you know, the equilibrium or the dynamics of the home seem a little bit off. 
dad is not there much. And even your daughter, because of the age differences, it's kind of like not, they're not quite, he's like, she's like an only child, but she's the only child in the home. So in a way she kind of is. So it's just you and her. And so that creates a lot of issues that you guys are going to have. And I I still get this feeling that she's holding a lot in, which you're saying she does. Um, Mm -hmm. I think she's trying to take care of you more than you might realize. That could be, and now that you say that, because uh, you are bringing it to light, um, I can see that, mm. but not, I can see some of that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and I feel it from you. There's like an anxiety. Of course, you care about your daughter and you're worried about her. Um, my concern is that when she sees that, she feels like she has to try to hide what's going on from you or act like she's okay sometimes. And then she shows it to you in other ways. Clearly, she's not doing she's not feeling good about herself and her life. We know that if she's getting C's in these honors classes, she doesn't feel good about that, obviously. Um, And so that's why I I would want you to work on your relationship with her and even your husband, you know, talking to him about being more involved. um, I would focus on relationships more than her grades because that's going to leave a more lasting impact than Mm -hmm. her grades, her GPA is her relationship with you. Um, even talking to her about maybe I don't make it easy for you to tell me things or I don't know if I put pressure on you sometimes and I don't think that's fair or somehow try to connect with her because we want to get to what's deeper within her. And it's going to be tough because it seems like you're saying from childhood she was this way and also she's a teenager. So teenagers in general, they tend to withdraw from their parents anyway. So it's not going to be easy for you, but I would focus on trying to connect to her to see what's going on. And you have to see how you're doing, making sure you're taking care of yourself. Because if she's in the way that I'm just thinking from what you're telling me, very, uh, you know, the limited information you shared me, someone who's more sensitive, she's going to pick up on if you're not okay, more than you might realize. And so if she's sad or she's upset or she's hurt, but she thinks mom's also sad, she might say, I should hold on to these feelings and not tell her. And even, you know, that you're saying she can be a little bit, you know, maybe not disrespectful, but giving attitude to the teachers, that's usually somehow reflected on some anger towards authority, which is parents. And so maybe she's upset with you guys, but she doesn't show it to you, but she can take it out on the teachers a little bit. And so again, it's that she feels like she maybe can't show it to you, that she's upset or disappointed. And that's my concern. So we always want to look at that when you see, that's why I asked when you said like, you know, uh, the coaches or teachers can prefer certain kids. Maybe she feels that herself in the home, that these two girls that you keep, keep talking about star students and she's the one struggling. Maybe mom and dad like them more than me or more proud of them than they are of me or whatever else they prefer them over me. And so she's yeah. expressing some of that. Yeah, I can, I myself can sense that, that she has that feeling. Yeah. And um, I don't know how to tell her, we love you doesn't matter whether you're a C student or A student, whether you're on top of the academia or you are just an average student, it doesn't matter to us. Although I I have always told my kids that academics are so important to me and to your father, but that it doesn't mean that if you cannot have you know, high achievement, we don't love you. That's not the thing. Yeah, I mean but I mean I hope you can hear in what you're saying there's some level of contradiction because if you're saying something 
is very, very important, but it also doesn't affect how we feel about you. It doesn't really ring true because you're saying this is important. And she probably saw with the older ones, you guys were praising their academics, not saying you shouldn't have, but you're giving her the message that this is so important that when she struggles, she might think you guys don't love her so much or love her as much as her sisters. And so I would also see how can you connect her about other things in her life? Maybe you're making academics too important and focusing on it. How else do you connect with her? How else do you spend time with your daughter outside of, let's say, trying to tutor her in math or talk about her school? I see. Do you spend time with her? Do you guys have fun together? Again, she's a teenager, so I know she wants to spend time with her friends more than you guys, and that makes sense and is healthy. But do you have quality time with her? Actually, no. Now that you tell me, no, I'm so busy with taking her to school, bringing her back, trying to be on top of her schedule. So, no. Yeah. So it's about connecting with her about her life. Like, who is she? What is she like? Okay, you like this kind of music. She probably doesn't want you to like the kind of music that she likes and you might not like it. But trying to connect with her and show her you're more than just your grades. Because again, you can say something, but your actions say a lot different. You can say grades. That we, well, first of all, you can say you care about academics, but you can say it's not what makes us love you. But then if you don't really connect her in a lot of other ways, you're showing her that's the really the only way we love you or we connect to you is through your schoolwork, you know. And even in some ways, struggling sometimes might get her more attention from you in some different way. You know, it's, it's very complicated. So I would focus on a few of the things I brought up um, and major, you know, issue is to connect with her more and focus on the relationship. I, you know, look at what's going underneath. I'm not saying I'm diagnosing her with depression, but have that in the back of your mind that maybe she's not mm -hmm. as happy as she puts on. And that you have to create a better relationship and also take better care of yourself so that she'll feel more comfortable being more open with you, which will be a process. It's not going to happen overnight. But to give her that space, you have to create it first in taking care of yourself even more and take care of your relationship with her. And, and let's see what happens. Thank you. And uh, I've read her, um, uh, her classes that she insists on staying in our classes uh, although her grades are C, should I let her do that? Or well, I, I would even just change the language of should I let her. It's not about let her. She's going to make that decision. So you need to talk, have a, you can talk to her about it. But even I want you to hear what you just said to me, should I let her? It's not really, for me, it's not your decision to make. You okay. can have conversations with her, try to understand what's going on. And that tells us there's something that she's clinging to. I want to do well. Maybe I want to make you guys proud. But then I feel like I can't and maybe how disappointed she feels or how she feels you're disappointed. So when you tell her, I'm going to take you out of honors class, she hears, I'm not as good as my sisters to you. They were able to do these things. I can't. You know what I mean? So I want to, I, that's what I mean. I don't want you to focus so much on what's the right next step, this class, that class, tutor, no tutor. Focus on your relationship with her. Have conversations with her rather than, I, should I pull her out of the class or not? I wouldn't look at it in that way to begin with. And secondly, I would make it a conversation. How are you doing? What do you feel? And even you have to understand when you bring up even should we take you out of the class, she already hears that you're disappointed in her, that she's letting you down, that she's failing. So I would not actually even bring that up. I wouldn't focus too much on her grades. To me, especially if she's already, her GPA is whatever it is, let her figure out what she's going to do. If she has to go to college first and then do it, she can still achieve whatever she wants to achieve. Your your responsibility is to be her mom and have a mother-daughter relationship, not to be her school manager and her grade manager. So focus on the relationship more than her academics and the performance and those aspects. I see. And 
uh, I'm sorry. When you say that, uh, because um, because of what I have heard in the back back of my mind, I have, and that caused me confusion. Because I have heard from people telling me that you have to let uh, your child say, and as a result of failure, they understand. But then I have seen uh, people that uh, just a little bit of help, tutors and stuff. They they. Could stand on their feet and get better, and um, actually, that helped them not completely failing. No, okay. So, I mean, even I talk about this, and I mean, failure is not. We we make it very negative, but when we say even letting someone fail doesn't mean don't give them any support. You can still support uh-huh. her. But okay. support her in the way she wants to be supported. Let her okay. be part of it. So don't just say, you're getting a C in this class, so every Monday a tutor's coming, whether you want to or not. But you say, is there anything I can do to support you in what's going on with your classes? How can I help you? And let her tell you. Okay. So even when you say, I make, basically it sounds like you make her sit and do her math with you. If she doesn't want to do her math with you, even though you have a master's in mathematics, and yes, she would be lucky to get tutoring from you, but she has to want it. So if she doesn't want it, don't force her to do the math with you, because then what I even hear when you say that is that you want her to get a better grade than she wants herself to get a better grade. That you it's more about you doing the work than her. And that's not going to work long term anyway. So that's why I don't want you to get fixated on what's her next grade on the report card and the bigger picture issue of how she's doing and what she's doing with her own life. And again, your relationship with her, that's what's in your responsibility. Her grades are not your responsibility. Your relationship with her is your responsibility. I see. Yeah. I have one more question, please. Okay, if you uh, make it quick, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's just uh, it's not regarding my daughter. Yeah, it's actually regarding you. Uh, do you see um, do you do therapy? Do you see kids? I mean, can I make an appointment for you to you? I or you do? well, I only do a therapy in person, so I don't do phone therapy. So I don't know if no, you're no, in the. That's Yes, so I do. Yeah, I do. I do therapy um, in Los Angeles. My office is in Beverly Hills here, so I could possibly do that if you want. Okay. I can give you the number when we uh, just hang online. I'll tell you on the commercial break because I want to go to the break sure, and then sure. we'll talk. Okay, Thank just hang on. Like, nice talking to you. Nice to talk to you. I appreciate all your uh, time. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right, you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, doctor. Hi, thanks for calling. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Love your show and love the work that you do. I oh, appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I'm calling in regards to my children. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, mm-hmm. and they're almost exactly two years apart. And my one-year-old is getting at the stage where she's becoming more mobile, and she's starting to walk and move around, and she's getting into my three-year-old stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and the three-year-old is not having it. He yeah. hates sharing with her. Um so he will hit her. He'll knock her down. Um, my parents just told me this week because they watch them while I'm at work. And they both told me this week that he will pick her up and kind of toss her aside. And he's never done that with me and my husband, but apparently he does it with my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also does some sneaky things, too. Like when he thinks we're not looking, if her hand's on the floor, she'll like just slowly slide his foot on top of her hand and step on it and hold it there until she cries. Um mm-hmm. And we've tried, like, I've tried researching this on Google and trying to come up with some strategies. I've tried ignoring the negative attention and praising the positive and 
teaching him to move away from her. Like, you know, if you want to play with your cars, you can play them at the dining table so she won't get them. Um, and we tried to, we use timeouts, but I've been trying to limit it to only when he's hitting. Um, yeah, and, you and know, timeouts even as a punishment, it's not even meant, it wasn't intention to be a punishment, even though parents tend to use it that way. So, and the ignoring the behavior overall is a a good uh, strategy, but... Uh, very importantly, if he's hurting your daughter, you obviously can't ignore right. that, right? So that's not an option right. when that's happening. Right. You, so what we really want to do is we, we want to protect, you know, a lot of it has to do with protection, both of your daughter, of course, who's one and making sure he doesn't hurt her, but even himself of his own anger, because we understand that he's angry. He's three mm -hmm. and she's one. That's a pretty close mm -hmm. age difference. So, you know, he's not so happy about having this little girl who's getting a lot more attention and getting mommy and daddy's attention or even grandma and grandpa's attention. And then, of course, now that she's becoming mobile, she's even like messing with his stuff, which also we have to respect that, too. I wouldn't like it if someone comes and starts moving my stuff around. Right. So especially as a three year old, right. how can we expect him to handle uh, those things that are happening? So we want to give him uh the understanding that we can empathize with him, that what he's going through is not easy and he's going to be angry, but that it's not going to be good for him to express his anger through that aggression towards her. So that's one thing we right. have to protect him from that. And we have to keep a very close eye on their interactions right now because it's not going to be good for him either. And of course, not good for her. So, you know, usually you maybe just let two kids just enjoy themselves and play. But right now with what he's going through, that's not okay. He needs more supervision and to be, uh, engaged more so that he's not focused on mm -hmm. her and we have to make sure he's getting yeah. enough attention. So um, you saying your parents watch them, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but we have to be aware that that is different from having mommy and daddy around more. And so right. he, he's missing on those things too. So uh, we have to accept his aggression and his anger is there. We're not just going to erase that, but we want to focus on making sure he feels loved even more, that he's getting even more attention. And that's up to especially you and your husband, but even uh, if it's your parents um, who are watching him, that he, he gets even more attention because he's, he's crying out for help. He's not doing okay. We want to put ourselves in his very little shoes and think of how hard it must be for him to go through everything he's going through right now. And it's very easy to forget that because he's the bigger one, he's still tiny. You know, he's still three years old and is dealing with a lot. And that's something that already parents from a very young age start to sometimes show this idea of, well, you're the older one, so you should be easier for us. Where the truth of it is that he's still a little kid. He needs uh, to be treated as a little child, too. He deserves that and he needs to still be your little baby sometimes, you know. So um, yeah. it, what you're going through is something that most parents go through when they have two kids. Uh, I okay. think when my brother was, he's a few years older than me, there's in some videos you see him pushing or he would do this thing you're saying where he kind of would push me, but in a way it looks like he's just playing, but he would knock me to the ground. And so these things are happening. So I also tell you that so you realize this is not the end of the world or something really big and they can even still have a good relationship with each other as they get older. Um, so you don't have to say things that a lot of parents say, like, oh, this is your sister, this is your brother, you should never hurt them, you should never this or that you guys are going to love each other someday. They can still love each other someday, even with what's going on right now. But it's up to us, to mm -hmm. you guys, to limit what's happening for both of their benefits. Okay. 
And I've tried the empathy steps with him, like, oh, I know sharing is hard for you, and you're angry that your sister took that away from you. But as soon as I start to say that, he, like, screams in my face and runs away. Well, I wouldn't just say... Yeah, I wouldn't just say that empathy, uh, that sharing is hard for you. He he doesn't need to share with her. Well, the thing is, he doesn't share. He doesn't let her play with anything. Even her own toys, he will come and knock them out of her hand or take them away yeah. from her. Like anything in the house. Yeah. And, you know, at three years old, it's good that you're, I think it's great to talk to him and empathize. But it's it's just, it's part of a process you're starting with him of him understanding his emotions but we're not going to expect mm-hmm. that if you tell him he's going to fully grasp it and have some aha right. moment you know he's not going to like have you know this realization and then all of a sudden not feel anything it's just showing we understand you're angry we see that you're feeling these things it's not going to remove those feelings from him and he's he's not going to want to share and we get that and he's he's angry with her to her, him he, she's the reason why he doesn't get as much of the attention that you guys were giving him before which is true i mean he's not actually wrong about yeah. that Right. So, again, we understand where he's coming from. He's going through a lot. It's not easy uh, for him. So um, be aware of what he's going through and that it's going to be a, a process. But I think you guys have to make sure you're giving him much more attention. That's what he needs more than anything. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, one thing, um, and you didn't necessarily use these words, but sometimes parents can feel like their kid is just being difficult. But I think it's always important to come from the mindset of curiosity and understanding and that there's some reason and something your kid is communicating to you. So it's not like they're just trying to be difficult or challenging or cause problems. They're somehow communicating to you with the best way they can, which is through their behavior, what they're feeling and what they're experiencing. So somehow he's telling you what he's going through. And we want to come from a place of understanding and we want everyone who's involved in the caretaking to be aware of that, including your parents, too. Um, that this is what's happening right now. We understand, of course, when you see one kid hitting another kid, we just think that's the bad kid and the other one's the good kid. But we understand that here's a three-year-old who's trying to deal with the very complex situation in the family and what he's going through emotionally is not easy. And we want to be aware of that. So I'd want to make sure you guys are all on the same page with that, you and your husband and your parents, whoever does watch him. And that right now, the way we have to uh, supervise them or engage with them is going to be different we have to actually make sure he's away from her a lot yeah we want them to be siblings and play but it doesn't seem like for this maybe short time that's really something feasible and because she's mobile now it takes even more because yeah before you put her in a a crib or you put her somewhere she couldn't get around at least you have to make sure he didn't go to her but now we have to be aware Mm -hmm. of both of them moving around it takes more effort so you have to be more hands-on to protect both of them both her physically and then him emotionally from what's going on Hmm. So you think it would be okay to separate them? My concern was if we separate them, are they going to learn to like not play with each other and that they don't need to be together? By separate, I don't mean completely quarantine and put them in different houses. Okay. But I mean, they don't need to be playing together all the time because you're brother and sister. And really, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, what are they going to play together? There's not really right, much. Yeah. So uh, we don't have to get worried that we have to develop their deep friendship right now. Because if anything, it's just going to create more negativity. If, if he even expresses the, the rage towards her, he doesn't feel good about it. It doesn't feel good. And she's not going to feel good about it. So I'm okay with them being more separated, not completely separate. You guys will have mm-hmm. meals together and they might even be sitting you know, at the table together. You guys are going to be around each other a lot. So they should still see each other and interact but that they need to be playing together or both be on the floor playing with the same toys or whatever else it might be, I don't think that's necessary. That's okay to have that space between them. Again, it's to protect them right now during this time. 
it likely will mm-hmm. be a phase. It's not going to be there forever. But of course, siblings, they're going to get into arguments. And, you know, this is just the beginning of what you'll get to deal with for the next decade or so plus. Um, so be ready for that. And it's going to just evolve. There's always going to be some sibling tension and rivalry and things like that. But uh, I'm okay with them being a little bit separated to make sure they're both okay. Um, that's that's mm-hmm. not going to, I don't think, have some huge negative impact on their long-term relationship. And if anything, would protect them from the harm that what would happen if you let them interact in this negative way right now would have. Okay. And then one quick thing. Sure. You said not to use timeouts for hitting. You said timeouts. <laughs> I mean, timeouts are more like to take a break from the situation, right. in my opinion, and to just think about your behavior and um, calm down a little. Mm-hmm. Um so what would, what would be a better technique to use if he hits her? Well, you can tell her, you know, you can say it's wrong and you maybe can even use timeout. I was just making that point because timeout came out, as you said, more about self-regulation and realizing, okay, it seems like your emotions are getting too big. You're having a lot of feelings. So that's why you're going to take a few minutes to help yourself calm down. But parents use it now as like, you know, if you don't do what I'm saying right now, you're going to go to your room for a timeout for five minutes. And at his age, especially more than a couple minutes is not going to be helpful. You can tell him it's wrong and it's bad. He kind of will know that it's wrong or bad and you can tell them it's not, it's not okay. I wouldn't focus too much on huge punishments. It's not going to work as a deterrent. He, when he's feeling what he's feeling, it's hard for him to control it. Probably. That's why I think more than the punishment, we want to work on separating and protecting both of them from what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You want to let him know that's not okay. That hurts her. doesn't feel good. doesn't feel good to hurt. Uh, to get hit just like you wouldn't like it she doesn't like it and leave it at that but i wouldn't i wouldn't get so focused on coming up with the right punishment to get him to stop punishment doesn't work in adults either but it doesn't really work much in kids i would just focus on protecting him from that you can let him know what's happening but i don't think the strategy of coming up with the right punishment is going to lead to a change in behavior his feelings are too big for him to control and we have to recognize that and help him uh, deal with it in a better way by protecting him protecting her and dealing with the situation more in that way. I do have to, to stop the show, um, but this okay. is a, it is a complex situation, so I'm glad you did call. Would be happy to talk with you some more another time. Thank you so much. I appreciate you My taking My pleasure. Call. Have a great day. Thank you, too. All right, bye-bye. bye-bye. All right. Thank you to all the callers and listeners out there. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. Have a wonderful day. 